baseball fans, welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off-season, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from my kitchen. That's right, I am in my kitchen, whose windows look out to the historic Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Your pal Sully is home in Pasadena on an absolutely gorgeous day. It's too hot, though. It's in the mid-80s. It's early February, and it's in the mid-80s. Now, I know this is something that drives some people in my family crazy when I mention this. I know my mother listens to this podcast. Hi, Mom. And she prefers hot weather to cold weather. Now, I prefer cold weather to hot weather. Now, to be fair, I'm not saying I want to live on Hoth. I'm not saying I want to live like Kurt Russell in The Thing. You know, I mean, I, I, I've been in cold climates. Well, you know, I lived in the Northeast for a long time, and I'm quite familiar with those days walking in Manhattan, where I'm walking up Amsterdam or West End Avenue, and the building is blocking the wind. And then when you get to the next block, and the, it's no longer blocking the wind, then, you know, the, that wind that's gusting from New Jersey hits you right in the face, and you start screaming, I get it. That sucks. Okay, but do what also sucks is when it's so hot that you can't move and you go outside, and you go, ugh, and you're sweating through your clothes. Because when you're walking in that cold day on Amsterdam Avenue, you could put on a hat, you could put on a coat, you could put on a scarf. But when it's too hot, eventually you have to stop taking things off. And even that could get nasty. Ugh, I'm sweating on the couch. Ugh. So I, I like chilly weather. That's what I like. I like chilly weather. I like chilly weather. I like sweatshirt weather. I like jacket weather. And we're not going to get that as we're here in paradise. Well, I'm home this afternoon, and I'm making um, some gluten-free brownies for dessert for the next bunch of days for my kids. My kids have a gluten allergy, and I've found these. These are inexpensive, and all of a sudden, we're going to have dessert for the next four or five days, and I am cooking them, and chances are, by the time the timer goes off, it'll be around the end of this podcast, so I fear, what am I going to do while I'm waiting for these brownies to cook? I figured I'd talk to you a little bit about baseball. Of course, at this point, there's no great news to report. It looks like J.D. Martinez is a little pissed off that the Red Sox haven't signed him yet. I think it's all out of posture. I know the Red Sox offered him a five-year deal, and they're not backing down from that. Now, look it. I know there's all the talk of collusion and everything like that. But I will say for the Red Sox, who have been burnt recently on huge long-term deals... It makes sense to say, hey, here's a fair five-year deal. And we're not going to back down from this because we're still paying Pablo Sandoval to be awful. We're paying Hanley Ramirez uh, be, be awful with another team. We're paying Hanley Ramirez to possibly be a DH, and David Price is a middle reliever. I don't think that's collusion. They didn't get together and, with the Cubs and the Yankees and the Dodgers and say, oh, we're going to screw J.D. Martinez. We said, no, we're going to offer you a five-year deal, but we're not going to go six or seven years. 
And so some of this collusion stuff, and again, I've been vehemently anti-owner on so many points that I'm like, you know what? This doesn't strike me as collusion. This strikes me as being smart money-wise. Now, I will say this. Because some people wrote to me, and I've seen other people say, hey, there is an unfair element to it. And that is the owners and the teams can underpay players for some years of their prime. And the sort of understood agreement to that, when you see some MVP caliber players putting together great years for $500,000, $600,000, to say, hey, look it, yes, you're underpaying them now but they'll get their big payday later. And I, and I understand big payday is a relative term because, you know, Martinez is being offered like $120, $125 million. I would take that, so would you. But it's different because you know the owners, the, the revenue that's coming in for baseball these days is astronomical. So there's a little bit of like, hey, wait a minute. I, paid, I played for less recently. You're making more money than you can imagine. Where's my payday? I get that. And I also get an owner saying, hey, we are making more money. That doesn't mean we have to start doing Pablo Sandoval contracts. My compromise would be this. To eliminate salary arbitration which means one team's bad decision on a player could completely disrupt the pay structure for every other team. But make free agency begin not after six years, but after three. I mean, that to me makes sense. That way, it's not like you're being underpaid for four or five years. You'll be underpaid for three years. If you can show you're a legit major leaguer for three years, then you test the free agent market. Then we start seeing more players in their prime hitting the free agent market. And while you could say, hey, it's unfair for the lower revenue teams because you know some of these players will hit the free agent market sooner, also know that because there'll be more players hitting the market sooner, there may not be as many all-star person at this, that, or the other positions that are always available. Maybe you sign that player after two years to a four-year deal. That way, you don't have one dumb owner throwing the entire salary structure out of whack, but you say, hey, you're better off spending that money. If you're going to spend that money, spend it on a player in their mid-20s than in their early 30s. That's what I would propose. And more free agents in the market means all you really ask for is to get fair market value. Now, once we started seeing teams locking up their superstars, you saw that the free agency became less of a place to get the superstar to build your team around and more of who's going to be a complementary player that we can plug into our team and make us better. You know, the idea of Barry Bonds and Greg Maddox being in the same free agent class 
or Randy Johnson being a free agent. Those days, I mean, you may see a fluke like the Bryce Harper and Clayton Kershaw next year. You know, but that's going to be the exception, not the norm. I am all for free agency after three years. And the compromise in that is, okay, we're no longer going to have salary arbitration because you can go out on the market. You go out on the market, and believe me, if you start seeing younger players going out to their market, they will get their payday. And it won't always be the Red Sox, Yankees, Dodgers, and Cubs shelling out the dough. That would be, if, if that's what I would bring to the table. That way the players get paid and the owners spend their money smartly. And the players get their big payday. I, I am all for players getting paid. I want to make sure that's 100% understood. The players are the ones who produce the product that we want to see. I would much, much rather see Bryce Harper get rich. I would much rather see Jose Altuve get rich. Mike Trout get rich. Joey Votto get rich. You know, I would rather see you know, the, the best players getting wealthy than a bunch of people who are already wealthy pocketing that money. Now, and again, I have nothing, if you're an owner, you're a billionaire owner, and you make a pile of money owning whatever team you own, good for you. I have nothing against that either. But if you're doing that, then this is sort of a vanity project, and you want to be the one holding up the trophy and having everyone in the city cheer for you. Then what you should be doing is aiming for that. And if you're going to be spending your money, aren't you better off spending your money on a top player? You know, I mean, I mean, like the, the Indians, I'd rather see the Indians spending their money on Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor and Corey Kluber than someone in their mid-30s who may only give them one or two good years. So I am all for that. Because I want, uh, look it, I, I want good baseball, and I want to see all teams have a good chance to compete. Now, there is still this prevalent mythology about baseball that it's the same teams winning every year, even though that's factually incorrect. And we've seen teams like the Red Sox make the playoffs some years, not make the playoffs some years. The Cubs make the playoffs some years, not make the playoffs some years. Mets, the same way. Yankees, the same way. And we see, hey, the Rockies are in the playoffs. The Twins are in the playoffs. Look at around the, the teams, all major league teams, since 2010, who hasn't made the postseason? Uh, uh, Seattle, Miami, and the White Sox. Three. In this decade, only three teams have not made the playoffs at least once. So we've seen... A turnover of all teams that are pretty good. You know, you get to see lots of different teams 
compete and get far. You don't necessarily see that. So the NBA, it's the same teams year in and year out. So baseball is doing a lot of things right. It is. Attendance is up. TV revenue is up. There's a lot of local interest in teams. Now, it doesn't have the national interest. But it does make piles and piles of money for everybody. So the idea of there being any labor strife because teams don't want to sign the next Pablo Sandoval is crazy. And I gave my tongue-in-cheek solution, which was to have you know, the Mets ownership kicked out and the new ownership told to go on a spending spree, even though I was actually being kind of serious. But there comes the other aspect, which is, all right, the system of arbitration is somewhat antiquated. And the system of free agency is not allowing players to get their payday later. And it's forcing kind of a middle class of players out of the game. You're going to see a bunch of players not get signed and some of them are going to walk away because you're going to have your superstars are going to get their $20 million paydays and you're going to have rookies being able to get their $500,000 paydays. So if you're somewhere in the middle, which is the majority of this free agent class, you may be out of luck. And that sucks. You're going to see some careers end. You're going to see some people fall short of some of their career goals just because of the economic system. So that's I'm offering my solution. And that way, players can make their money. Everyone still makes their money and there's still success. Now, one thing that has been going around is the concept of pace of play. Now, I want to address that for a second. Do you really think that if baseball shaves off half an hour from a game time and it goes from a three and a half hour game to three hours, do you really think that a lot of people who don't follow the game will start following it? Do you really think that that's the problem? The problem is it's not moving fast enough. All the rules are already in place to improve pace of play. Batters can't get out of the box. The pitcher has to throw a pitch in a certain amount of time. I'm 100% for a pitch clock. Hell, I'm for a complete pitch clock that includes mountain visits. Like you got 40 seconds to get the next pitch off. If you want a mountain visit, you run out, say your thing, run back, and they got to make a pitch. No problem with that. None. No problem with, you know, step out, step in, step out, step in. Just throw the ball in there. You know, get the guy get the guy in the box. Get in there and take a cut. 100% for it. Now, some parts of the game are slower because players take more pitches. There's a huge premium on walking and getting on base. So guess what that means? The at-bats are longer. I've been watching some video of games from the 1970s, those guys are hacking, and they're hacking early. Those guys have no intention to take a walk. But the pace of play, 
do we want it to be fast? Do we want it to be lightning speed? Are we making baseball something that it's not? Now, now, now hear me out for a second. It's been nicknamed America's pastime. Not America's race. It isn't as fast-paced as some other sports. It's not as fast-paced as basketball or as hockey. It isn't. It never was. And yet somehow it remains to be somewhat popular. Are we trying to force it to be something that it's not? It's a game where, look at you're not going to find a bigger baseball fan than your pal Sully. And there are times that I have a game on and I'm doing something. It's the equivalent of having music on in the background. And am I going to sit there and say if I'm cooking dinner and I'm listening to the San Diego Padres play the Cincinnati Reds. Most people only care about their local team. I care about all teams. And I say, hey, look, at this is a good game. It's 3-2. to two. Uh, bottom of the seventh inning. I'm going to have this game on while I cook dinner for my kids. Am I going to be sitting there and writing down every detail like I was an FBI man doing a surveillance? Am I going to be taking note of every detail like a court stenographer? No. I'm going to be doing my thing. I'm going to be cooking. We grab some chicken, and so what's the what's the count? Three and two. Okay, all right. But sometimes you miss parts of the details of that, and then you hear, "Oh, that's a long drive." Oh, wait, what happened? What happened? Oh, he got a hit. Don't tell me you don't watch baseball like that. Yes, playoff time, super close game. You're glued to every damn pitch. But other times, you're having a conversation. You check in on the game. You're watching it. No one is glued for every single pitch. I drive listening to the ball game, and I pay attention to the ball game. And if someone comes in, like if you're watching the game, your game's on at the bar, game's on at the restaurant, you go to someone's home, there's a game on. So what's the score? A's are winning 4-2. to two. Oh, how'd they get their runs? Uh, they got a three-run homer in the first, and then there's a wild pitch in the third. Okay, you're caught up. You've learned everything you needed to learn. And you can jump in midway. It's one thing that drives me crazy. My dad, when he DVRs a game, like sometimes he'll be like, in, like 10 minutes behind live. I said, Dad, let's just watch it live. Let's just watch it live. You know, the Giants are winning 5-2. to two. How'd they get the five runs? Posey hit a home run, Pence got a double, and there was a couple of singles. Boom. That's all you need to know. The pace of play may be missing the point. You know, when I hear people complain about nets being put up because of foul balls, and you hear some people who are stupid, and anyone who says this is stupid for saying this, they may not be stupid on every element, but they may, they're stupid for saying this. Well, you know, you get off your cell phones and pay attention to the game, then you'll, then you'll, you'll see the, the foul ball coming your way. Shut up. 
There are points where you're talking to your friend. There are points where you're looking over and you see the score of the Texas-Minnesota games. Oh, it's 5-2 to two in the ninth. How'd they get those runs? There are times you're just checking your score, waving to a hot dog vendor, having a conversation. That's one of the reasons why, you know, the, the nets have to be up. Because sometimes you're not paying attention to every single pitch. Because maybe that's not what baseball is. Maybe even when you're at the game, the conversation, the interaction, the memories, the pointing out of stuff, it's different than being at a hockey game where you're watching the back and forth. Maybe the pace of baseball is different because that's the way it's been enjoyed. It isn't going to be lightning fast. It never will be, even if they carve 25 minutes out of it. Even if they enforce every rule, it's not going to be lightning fast. That doesn't mean it's boring. It means the experience that you're having is one of community, is one of enjoying the game, and is one of being part of whatever history and whatever is going on with the team at that specific moment. I love going to games and striking up conversations with total strangers. When I go to Dodger Stadium or I'm up north, I go to Oakland, and I wind up having a conversation with someone, and they talk about memories, they talk about Bayada Blue, they talk about Jose Canseco, they talk about Kirk Gibson, they talk about Mike Piazza, or whoever it was is their guy. And you talk about this, you talk about that, and that's part of it, and the game is going on, and every once in a while, oh, look at that, he's got a homer. Maybe the pace of baseball is what it is, and maybe if you do not fight it, and you teach a way to make people understand, oh, wait, this is something that's enjoyable. People will enjoy things that are not the fastest-paced things in the world. There are TV shows out there that take their sweet-ass time to unfold. They do. There are movies out there that take their time to unfold. The Lord of the Rings wasn't exactly the fastest-paced series of movies ever made. Neither is Game of Thrones the fastest-paced television show you'll ever see. They unfold. And sometimes you're watching it, and you're like, wait a minute, who is that guy again? Or what's this guy? And then all of a sudden, then something happens. And you become part of that. You become part of the community. You become part of the joint, collected experience. And maybe, instead of trying to pretend something that it's not, you can make it something, you can appreciate what it already is. Why do people enjoy it? I mean, people still enjoy it. I can show you the attendance figures. I've been in San Francisco when the Giants are great. I'm here in Los Angeles County when the Dodgers are great, and trust me, there are a lot of people who are not fans who will be there all the time. Suddenly, you know, the bandwagon gets crowded. 
And they discover it again. And they realize how cool it is. And how great it is. And how much fun it can be. I was there in New York when the Yankees stunk. And I was there in New York when the Yankees were good. And I see a lot of people discover that. People who are not big baseball fans discover it. Because they realize they are part of a communal experience. Now, there are ways you can make this more of a communal experience by, by promoting the social media aspects of it. I think that's really cool. I think you can promote the history of it. You can promote the stats of it. There's all sorts of ways that you can appreciate it. You can appreciate it through the fantasy baseball element of it. Maybe saying, oh, if we make it faster, it'll be better. No. Why not instead show what it is and make it more accessible and having people see the advantages of the game, not just to speed it up arbitrarily. There are some three-hour-long movies that I think are super exciting. And there are some 90-minute movies that feel like they're going on forever. Do you know who made a great point? Jim Furlong. Jim Furlong is one of my most loyal fans. He goes by Ewok in L.A. He's A couple of my uh, Sunday requests have been from him. He wrote a tweet uh, last week that said this. If MLB wants kids, they need to support MLB the show video game. Pay gamers to play MLB the show on YouTube. Sponsor esports teams with millions of prizes. Do what the NFL did with Madden and teach the game through video games. Then length of games won't matter. How true is that? Because be honest about football. A lot of that sport's boring as hell if you want a fast-paced game. A lot of football is standing around. A lot of football is one second of action and then standing around and going in the huddle and everything. And yet no one's saying anything about pace of play in football, or if they are, I'm not hearing it. You have to, if you want the young eyeballs and you want the young fans, you have to do two things. Three things, really. You have to go where the eyeballs are, and they're getting better at that. They're getting better at making sure it's available through social media and everything like that. You should be able to watch baseball games through Twitter and through um, Facebook, but at least their app and their other things like that, they're getting better at it. They are a hell of a lot better than they were a few years ago. They also have to tap into the gamers. And Jim is completely right. Baseball is a game. And the baseball video games are tremendous. And to get people into the game and into the video game aspect of it, MLB has to embrace that big time. Maybe have whole channels of people playing them virtually or something. I don't know. I'm not a gamer. We have an Xbox in our house. I've never used it. My kids play a bunch of video. They love the Star Wars Battlefront. And there's a you know Batman game and Spider-Man game. And, 
and Lord of the Rings game, and I get it. It looks amazing. Hell, I'd love to run around like I'm Boba Fett. But it's too complicated for me. And quite frankly, I don't need another time vampire in my life. I've got this far without alcohol or video games. But the baseball games can tap into the gamer crowd where they can appreciate the strategy, the players, the personalities and everything like that from the games. Absolutely. NFL Madden is part of our culture now. And I 100% believe it's a big reason for the national appeal of the game. Even the way they shoot the games now looks like a video game. With the XFL camera swooping around and the way they circle the players and everything like they do in the video games, they have to do that in baseball big time, but embrace the video game culture too. Because of all the tradition of baseball, they've, in the past, had to, in like all sports, have to embrace the new technologies in order to survive. There was a game called NBA Jam that came out when I was in college. And it was wildly popular. It was an arcade game. I think they had a home version of it too. I don't know. I'm not a big video game guy. But it was a wildly popular game. And you got to play the different teams and you got to be the different, you know, all the different you know, players on the different squads and everything like that. And I believe absolutely it had a giant reason why the NBA was so popular in the 1990s. Baseball has to do that. It's not about pace of play. It's about making what works with the game appeal to the new audience. Here's why it works. Be part of this. I've seen so many people who have not been baseball fans embrace baseball and love it and never let it go. I, and a bunch of them, it, a lot of it has to do with following a team through October. I grant you that. A lot of people didn't give two craps about the San Francisco Giants in the late 2000s suddenly could tell you uh, Lincecum and Posey and Bumgarner's name by 2010. Oh, what is it? Is that the alarm? Alexa, stop. Look at that. Brian's look good. I'm going to cool off. It'll be, uh, I'm going to cut them up and it'll be dessert for my boys for the next bunch of days. Anyway, you, it's more important to introduce what works with the game rather than to try to mold the game into something that it's not. That's the main point that I'm making. Something about baseball already works. Now you got to get it in front of the right people and get them to understand why it works. These brownies I just make are going to be delicious. But if someone takes a bite of them and says, these brownies are great, but you know what? you got to make it taste more like pizza. Well, I'm not going to make it taste like pizza. It tastes like brownies. Well, you know, market people show that people enjoy pizza. Baseball may not be a fast-paced game. Maybe you're introducing people to what works about the game and that part of it is... You're just letting it play. Sometimes it's going to be background music. 
Sometimes it's going to be an experience that you have. And you remember the highlights. But you can jump in a game midway through. You can even jump a game out. You know, final score was 5-2. to two. Oh, how'd they hit the two runs? Ah, uh, yeah, you missed it. At the end, um, Andre Ethier hit a home run. Oh, okay. It's the characters. It's the people. It's the joint experience. And it's a pastime. It's a way to spend a summer day. It's a way to spend a summer evening. You know, the players become your friends. And the the experience becomes a, a communal experience. So taking a half hour out of the game doesn't suddenly make everything work. And I will say this other thing. And I do think this is a big problem that baseball has. I saw a commercial the other day for, um, I think it was Sprite. It was, it, was, it was some, it may have been on the Super Bowl or maybe one of the days before, I can't remember. But it was a, a, it was a baseball commercial. And in the commercial, LeBron James was pitching. And I thought, man, this is a problem. It was an ad for Sprite, I think. This is a problem. that We have a baseball game, and the player that they have is LeBron. Now, everyone knows who LeBron James is. Everyone does. If you're not a sports fan, you know who LeBron James is. If you're not a sports fan, you know who Tom Brady is. If you're not a sports fan... You know who Steph Curry is. There are these players, these sports figures, who are bigger than the game and transcendent. And there is nobody in baseball who is currently playing who fits that bill. Now, you and I may shake your heads. What about Mike Trout? What about Bryce Harper? What about Francisco Lindor? Like, we, we scream about all these players who we love. But the fact of the matter is, we're baseball fans. We know who the hell they are. There is no baseball celebrity out there currently playing. And you can make the argument that there hasn't been one, um, you know, maybe since David Ortiz retired, or maybe even since Derek Jeter retired. There's no national baseball figure. It's not Aaron Judge yet. Could be, but it's not him yet. It's not Mike Trout. It's not Clayton Kershaw. It's not Madison Baumgartner. It's not Buster Posey. It's not Joey Votto. Joey Votto, Buster Posey, and Mike Trout can walk down any street in America with the exception of the cities that they play in, and nobody would know who the hell they were. So maybe that's another thing baseball needs to focus on, and I've given this solution. To me, this is a no-brainer. How do people get to know people? How do people get to relate to people? Well, it used to be you do a funny commercial or something like that, and maybe that's on the table. But here's the deal especially with teams not signing free agents right now. I've made this point before. I'll make it again in this context. I know a lot of really good comedians. 
I was a decent comedian, but I know really good comedians are really good writers. For the price of a utility infielder, you can get a writing staff of 10 outstanding comedy writers. And what you do is you take your best stars and you make them funny. Remember all those commercials and everything like that? We got to know Shaq. We got to know Barkley. There's not one player in all of baseball who is even one-tenth as famous as Shaq. And Shaq hasn't played in like six or seven years. There's not one single baseball player who's as famous as Charles Barkley or as recognizable as Charles Barkley. And Barkley hasn't played in like a decade and a half. And one of the reasons why they've remained so relevant is they've stayed on TV and they've done all that, but they've also been funny. People find them funny. And it's no small thing that Michael Jordan, who I have no idea if he's funny or not, did those great, you know, the Mars Blackman ads and the, you know, it's got to be the shoes, and did a movie with goddamn Bugs Bunny. Sorry, Ray. What baseball player is out there who is instantly recognizable and that people like and laugh at? Blake Griffin played here in Los Angeles, and he's recently been traded. I have no idea. I've never met Blake Griffin. By the end, he seemed like kind of a jerk because he was, you know, what, didn't he beat up someone in the coach's room or something stupid like that? But people loved him because, A, he had these amazing dunks and then made a bunch of funny commercials. So there's so much instantly shareable media. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all this shit. And you have MLB, every once in a while, will try to do something like, hey, we're going to show that this player really likes having a cheesesteak. Screw the cheesesteak! Okay? This one really likes making gluten-free brownies. Shut up! Do something really funny. The closest thing we had, the closest thing we had was a thing they did on on Jimmy Fallon's show where they had Yankee fans upset that Robinson Cano uh, left the Yankees to go to Seattle in one of the least aware moments of fandom in baseball history. And so they had these Yankee fans yelling at this cardboard cutout of Robinson Cano, and then they moved the cardboard cutout, and the real Robinson Cano was there, and the Yankee fan was looking at the real one, and you saw them immediately go, oh, Robbie, I love you, 2009, and all this stuff. It was wonderfully endearing, it was funny, it humanized Robinson Cano, and people passed it around like crazy. But what if, let's say, again, for the, it's, it's the choice of signing uh, a, a backup catcher or getting a writing staff of 10 and you have your writing stuff where Mike Trout's funny Francisco Lindor is funny you know Joey Votto's funny Andrew McCutcheon's funny 
and people laugh and they like him because when you laugh with someone, you like them. Oh, I like them. You hear that all the time. I like that person. He makes me laugh. He's so likable. You don't know them. They could be a jerk. A lot of times they are. But that's something baseball has to do too. I like Madison Baumgartner. He's funny. How would you know? And Buster Posey doing a few ads, you know, like the delivery room ad and everything, that, that's not enough. Something funny that goes viral, that people laugh, and they root for the player because they're the one who makes them laugh. They need to do that too. So maybe it's less about pace of play and more about presentation you already have a good product. You have to make, you have to realize what it is and what it's not. It's a fun way to spend the day. It's the equivalent of Lord of the Rings and not Mad Max. And that part of the fun of Lord of the Rings, part of the fun of Star Wars and all those other films is being part of that community as opposed to just watching something, you know, super fast. Get it in the eyes of the gaming community and make people laugh. Make people know who the players are because there's no better way to make people know who the players are and humanize them than through social media and through comedy. And maybe then you'll create a whole new generation of fans. Well, all I know is I'm going to have a whole new generation of kids eating gluten-free brownies. Because these look pretty good. So go to sullybaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. Music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Making brownies and solutions. This has been the Sully Baseball Podcast for the 7th day of February. I said the wrong day the other day. I said the 8th day on the 6th. You know what? I make mistakes from time to time. Give me a break. This one's on the 7th day of February 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. What you can do, you can call me Sully.